The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I am your host, Bobby Williams. Hey, as always, please subscribe to the show. Hit subscribe. You'll get notified each week. It makes a big difference to us. We're all aware of our basic five senses, but believe it or not, there's other senses that exist that have a big impact on your life and your child's life. Things like, what are the messages that the inside of your body is trying to tell you? Or, where do you put your body when you're trying to get outside of a car? These are things that you don't usually think about, but physical therapists work on a lot. We have a very experienced physical therapist here to speak with us today, Sally Carmen. We break it all down in the interview. Super informative. Check it out. But there's actually three other senses. What, what's that about? Or can you briefly explain that? Yes, I love to talk about the mystery senses because the three other senses are the proprioceptive sense, the vestibular sense, and the interoceptive sense. And just the easiest definition of proprioception is the sense of where your body is in space based on the contraction of your muscles. And we associate that a lot with deep pressure, which I can come back and talk about. The second mystery sense is the vestibular sense, which is the sense of your body when you're moving, um, such as when you've been on a car or in a car, on a plane, on a boat, and how your body manages that kind of movement, um, moving through space. And then the third mystery sense is the sense of proprioception and that, excuse me, interoception. And that's the sense of inside your body where you're sensing when you're hungry, when you need to move your body because you've been sitting too long, um, when you perhaps are in pain, need to go to the bathroom, when you're taking in information that your insides are giving you to your sensory system. So those are the three senses that we don't learn about. And they're really important um, if, especially if it's not working well and a person is either not taking in that information sufficiently or is taking in too much of that information. And I imagine just like how we're all individuals, we probably have different levels of these senses or just like our sight, like I wear glasses and contacts. And so I'm sure that's true for like proprioception and all these things. Perfect analogy is for visual acuity. If you and I go in and go to the eye doctor, we're both gonna come out with a different prescription. Everyone processes sensory input differently and it is how you come. I mean, you, you come with it. Sometimes in early childhood, it's very early childhood. It is um, laid down the foundations, but everyone is a little different in how they process sensory information. And it can have a real impact on energy level and emotion, and certainly on behaviors when a person is processing sensory information um, in a way that isn't always serving them. Yeah. 
Well, so that was a lot of big words with the uh, the different proprioception. So I want to break these down a little bit and understand them better. Mm -hmm. So proprioception, you're saying, is like your relation in space and how your body reacts to that. So does that mean like I'm in this room and I have a sense of where I am in the room or what, what do you mean when you say relation to space? That's really well said, Bobby, how you're, yes, where you are in relation to space. Now you're probably feeling as you're sitting in a chair, you're feeling the pressure from the chair, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you kind of know where you are. You don't have to think about it, but there are some people who are not getting enough information and may need more, may need to have, okay, well, maybe I need to bounce around a little bit because I don't have that information. A lot of people who are seeking more sensory uh, proprioception are going to be very movement oriented um, and kind of, you know, we think about them as uh, the kids who are bouncing off the walls or looking for more input because they don't always get a, a functional level of proprioception. And those, those people are very noticeable in a classroom, in a home, places like that, when they're looking for what I call pressure, just as you feel the pressure from your chair. So I imagine like an athlete or something has a very, like a football player has a great idea of where they are in space. Why is this important for kids then? Just they bounce a lot and we don't want them to, or how does it relate to their daily lives? Well, you can see that if you want more proprioception, Kids need to get out and play and move. And, you know, my son's an ultra marathoner. He loves proprioception because of that striking in the body and the, the feeling it, that his muscles feel every time he's running. Um, that's someone who is a proprioceptive seeker because he's looking for more and more and more all the time. And he's found a functional way to do it. But think about our kiddos who haven't realized or they you haven't realized as their parents that they are seeking that information. You want them to quiet down and sit down through dinner or you want them to sit in a classroom and, and not be disruptive because they're looking for more information. There are things you can do to help feed that proprioceptive system in a functional way throughout the day. Well, and we're in a society that asks a lot of us to like sit and pay attention and be somewhere. What are some of those things you can do with your child who's looking for a lot of that proprioception information? Well, you know, there's a wonderful thing that you can look up called a sensory diet, where you can actually see what kinds of deep pressure and heavy work and activities that a child or a grown-up can do throughout the day so that maybe before school, you know, you could provide some activity um, something like jumping on a little mini trampoline or giving them some heavy, a heavy backpack to carry into class. I have right here a lap pad, which I'm actually sitting with on me that gives me some extra deep pressure, which can be very calming and organizing even for typical kiddos or adults um, that will help someone feel grounded in their proprioceptive system. And throughout the day, if certainly with kids, if they can get out to recess, if they can do wall push-ups or even chair push-ups or sit on a cushion. Those kind of things are all contributing little bits to their proprioceptive system. There are a lot of other tools such as uh, compression sleeves or compression shirts, you know, the lycra, mm -hmm. um, the kind of things that give all over deep pressure. Um, so you mentioned vestibular and that's kind of your sense of balance or how does that all tie in? When I think of vestibular, I think about swinging 
or I think about standing on one foot because it is, it's like your balance and it's your balance, your movement sense. So I usually use the example of when you've been on a train, plane, boat, whatever, and you get off it and you still feel that movement. That's your brain still processing vestibular input um, because it can have a time lag, but it's a wonderful awareness of how your body wants to coordinate when you're moving. The issue is when someone, again, is sensitive to vestibular input or is seeking more. And you certainly work with people at all levels. So when someone is sensitive to vestibular input, they may be somebody who gets car sick easily, doesn't want to go on a plane because they feel uncomfortable with that kind of motion. Um, and when someone wants more vestibular, you may find someone who loves the swings, loves being very um, actively moving in a hammock, or um, actually likes to be upside down because they like that dizzy feeling, which to me would be terribly unpleasant. But for some people, they want more input to that system and actually need it to feel comfortable in their body and in their vestibular system. So there are people who seek vestibular input and want to twirl round and round, like going on the um, spinning rides at the fair. On one hand, we have kids that want a lot of this and want to be like spinning or twirling. And then we mm -hmm. have kids that are very sensitive to this. And so I'm guessing we have to try to help both of them. What about like a kid who gets motion sickness? Is there any way to build their tolerance or how do you work with them on that? Because that seems like something that just is, but then you got to drive in the car, you got to move around. Right. And what you want to do is get to a functional level um, with the vestibular system. If you're talking about motion sickness and things like that, you can and a therapist, an occupational therapist can work to desensitize um, and build a tolerance for vestibular input for people who are sensitive. Now there's no magic and they're not gonna necessarily make them um, wanna do a cross country car trip. But if you're thinking about just um, getting used to um, moving in the car, there are lots of ways that you can think of making it easier. And it's a case by case basis, obviously, because we are all different, but there are ways that you can um, feed the sensory system, the vestibular system in very slow, gradual ways to help build up, if you will, the brain pathways to tolerate at least a functional level of movement. Um, can you give me an example of that? Sure. Um, what we might do in a therapy gym. And that's really the easiest way to do this because this is something you would want to probably do with a therapist is have them complete maybe an obstacle course with a bunch of different activities, especially you start with preferred activities, things that they might like. You would work on having them um, you know, stand on an uneven surface or balance on one foot or walk on a little, little line or something like that just to get started starting with where they are, you know, where they are successful, and then moving into maybe um, getting to sit in a swing and twirl around a little bit, maybe twirl around a little bit more, um, maybe swing across the room and, um, you know, land on something. You, you're trying to get the body to move a little bit more with the vestibular system in mind. And then, so on the other side, you have the kids that are very into this. It makes me think about uh, trampoline parks and how you go there and there's so many little kids just like, ah, but then mm -hmm. life's not a trampoline park. Like if a kid's really into this, 
how can you give them that where you're not around a swing or a trampoline or anything? No, and, and people always ask that because families want to be able to, you know, carry over the things that they're doing in the therapy clinic or in, you know, just to make sure that their kiddo is continuing to get the the diet of vestibular that they need. So some of the things you could do are have them um, put their legs up on a couch and just hang their head. Um, upside down on the floor. Uh, some kids find that to be just really wonderfully relaxing, which again is baffling to me because I, I would find it terribly uncomfortable. But for those people who are seekers, there's that, there's twirling around. Um, there's, you know, any number of things. Having a hammock is um, not necessarily what everyone can have, but it, it sure is, you know, a nice thing when you can have those kind of swinging movements. Say your child really likes that. Can you be like, okay, you're going to hang with your head on the side of the sofa for five minutes before school or something? Is it like an appetite they can fill and then going into the day that helps them? I love to hear you take the concepts and put them into the into the terms that we're using. That's absolutely true because we're used to appetite. It is like a diet. And if you can give a certain amount of those um, inputs during the day, it's going to make life so much easier for the child, just as if you're eating snacks all day long or, you know, meals and snacks. Okay, it, and then let's cover the third one. So introception, and that's the feeling of the inside of your body. So is that sort of like, I'm hungry, I'm full, I have to use the bathroom, those kind of things? Yes, that's absolutely right. And it's interesting because for the people who magnify those feelings, these are the kids or adults who feel heartbeats, feel their breath, mm. um, can feel every little, um, you know, sort of scratch or, or when their stomach is uncomfortable, they feel ill, um, you know, who kind of have more messages coming from their insides than might be functional at times, super sensitive to those messages. And it isn't because they're making it up. It is isn't because they're, you know, they're trying to feel ill or uncomfortable. It just is for them the way that they are magnified, you know, the way their brain works. The other thing you'll run into is people who have a very high pain tolerance because this is the other side. They're not feeling it at all. They're just thinking, oh, you know, um, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to go do my daily activities, but don't notice when maybe they might have a fever or maybe, you know, they do have a stomach ache, but they, you know, really just minimize it. And so, and again, this is not volitional. It's just, there may be something going on inside their body, but they're not tuning into it. again, how all of the sensory systems are related, but any of them can be minimized or magnified in a way that may affect their function. It makes me think like talking about things being related, your emotions and how, you know, if you're feeling bad, you feel it in the stomach or you're excited and your heart is racing and everything's just connected with all these senses. And, you know, Bobby, you have just, you know, sort of pulled together what happens as how the sensory system is related to emotion and is related to energy level because all of these systems work together. Humans are wonderful. And it's just a frustrating thing for a person when they're taking in information that feels uncomfortable. It can be distressing. It can actually, um, when someone's senses are sensitive, it can be almost like a, a, a frightening reaction to go to a new setting that maybe they know they're sensitive to, for example, sound 
or sight. Um, it can be really difficult for someone if they know they're going to be uncomfortable. It can really, um, you know, sort of set off even a fight, flight, or freeze reaction. It's like a quality of life thing being up on these senses. You're making me think about like I'll go to Walmart and I'm there just 40 minutes, but I can like feel the lights coming down on me and maybe it's like the people I'm around or whatever, but I just feel so exhausted afterwards. And it's like, it's not like I ran for an hour or did anything that would make me exhausted, but it's like the lights. Light sensitivity, even a little bit. I mean, I'm not talking you have to have it dramatic. If you're still registering the lights and you don't kind of tune it out, um, which you know many many people do fluorescent lights particularly um, it can make it more tiring because you're trying to process that information if you're tuned up you're trying your sensory system is trying to manage trying to manage and it can be very um it, it can be exhausting for people if i went into walmart with sunglasses would i notice the difference you think I think it's worth a try for sure. I think it does, you know, filter a little bit of those strong lights. Um, sometimes with people who are tuned up in the auditory system, we might suggest um, earbuds, headphones, just as a distraction, having something predictable uh, can be very helpful. So I want to take this back to introception. We kind of veered off a little, but so the feeling of inside your body, sometimes it's too much, sometimes it's too little. Uh, let's talk about when it's too little. Are there ways that you can help your child be more aware of their body and what they're feeling or what do you do there? You know, there are lots of ways of doing it. Sometimes when we start with the preferred senses, which often are proprioceptive and vestibular and we start with those and feed those senses and then we start talking about okay you know a little more about where your body is in space how do you feel inside your body a lot of times working on breathing working on mindfulness working on calm regulated responses help someone to do tune in a little bit more to those responses and also to do body scans where you start at the top and kind of work down with breathing just actually focusing on what does it feel like in this part of your body? What does it feel like in that part of your body? How does it feel when you have your hands resting? Does one hand feel heavier than the other hand? Things like that, just tuning into it. Again, making it consciously aware rather than it just being an unconscious um, experience. So say a child is very sensitive to this and they're really feeling the inside of their body. What do you do then? Again, some of the approaches are the same in terms of the deep breathing, the relaxation and just, you know, talking to kiddos about, you know, why they're not feeling safe or why they're feeling uncomfortable. Sometimes just knowing if, if a child is able, you know, depending on the age and so on, if a child is able to identify that discomfort, sometimes the other sensory input of deep pressure, oral motor, which is the putting um, straws, gum, chewing carrot sticks, those kind of things are generally organizing to the body and there's a carryover with that. Um, tactile input is sometimes really helpful even to, to provide kind of a relaxation of all the systems. So if you have some general ways of helping a person feel calm and relaxed, then the interoceptive system can settle down a little bit. I've been doing a workshop with youth and uh, do a little exercise with them where I like kind of stretch out my neck. And mm -hmm. I can tell doing that, like 
oh man, I'm stressed today. I can like feel it in my neck. And so just having that awareness seems so important and it helps you be more empathetic with children too of like, okay, this is a sensory thing and we can work with them on it. Um, they're not just trying to be rambunctious. It's a need and it's their comfort. And it, it just seems like learning about these things, you know, I've always thought about them, but not in that specific of a way. So it seems like that can make a huge difference. No, I think you've really nailed it, Bobby, in, is that most of these things we do without thinking, the whole sensory system, we're always taking in information through all of our senses, and we don't have to think about it. But when there's someone who's a little magnified, a little minimized, it's worth knowing. And when you bring it to consciousness, just like you said, when you stretch and you go, oh, I didn't realize that I, my muscles were tense. When you have an awareness of these things, you really, it opens up some ideas for helping to manage. And again, realizing that this isn't a volitional thing with kids in particular. Um, there's a reason, there's always a reason for the behavior. And if a sensory is one of those reasons, there's lots of things you can do about it. Fascinating. Just a very interesting conversation. Sally, thank you for taking the time to be here today. It is a complete pleasure, and I look forward to more sensory work with anyone who asks. Thank you, Sally. You got me thinking in a whole different way about things. This has been the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace!